The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. Another episode of Positive Talk Radio. I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm so glad that we get to talk to the gentleman that we're going to talk to right now. He's a he lives in. Well, let's see. I don't know if you can be any farther away from Seattle, Washington, and, <laughs> and but to be in live in Maine. And right. John Moore is our guest, and he is a shamanic teacher, and uh, and he works with a lot of folks to make life just a little bit better for everybody. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And how fantastic to talk to somebody across the across the entire continental U.S. for me at this, you know, right at this moment. Isn't it cool that uh, technology's gotten to the point where we can we can do this, and it it looks like we're right next door to each other, and and uh, and stuff. And and what I'm finding is people around the country and around the world are creating groups of people that are getting together on these types of forums so that they can get together and meet and, and talk about life and what's happening with them and, and offer tips. And, and it's just, a, it's a, just a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is the, it is the fantastic aspect of technology for sure. And, you know, it took something really devastating and really horrible to get us to where we can do this. But, you know, which was the pandemic when everybody was stuck at home and so forth. But but now, you know, now that we're coming out of it, maybe, hopefully, kind of, sort of, um, we'll be we'll be OK. And we can do this with a lot of a lot of a lot of caring and a lot of love and a lot of information that we get to share. So I want to start with um, we said at the top that you're a shamanic teacher. What does that mean for somebody who doesn't have a reference? Sure. Um, so I practice and teach shamanism. Um, I practice, uh, you know, a form of spiritual healing, uh, which we'll call shamanic healing um, with clients. And then I teach people the really, really ancient practice of shamanism, which is a set of spiritual tools that have been around since prehistory. They exist in cultures all over the world. Um, we we in English use the word shamanism because um, we don't have a better one. Uh, but we, you know, we borrowed that word from other cultures. But this is something that uh, people have been doing since they were, at least since they were painting images on caves. So tens of thousands of, of years ago. And I'm um, lucky and absolutely feel blessed to be able to share shamanic teaching with other people. It's the thing I love to do the most in the world. And that is really cool that you get to follow your passion. And it, it is. I couldn't, you know, I, I absolutely love it. So yeah, it is, it is very cool. Tell us a little bit about your background. How did you how did you come to be where you are today? 
Yeah, I have a really strange background, I think, <laughs> um, which is, you know, fine. But uh, I, I worked in technology for about 25 years. And um, there's this thing, there's this idea, this concept called a shamanic crisis. And many people get called or pulled into practicing shamanism as the result of some sort of crisis. It's usually a health crisis, could be a near-death experience or uh, you know, an accident or something along those lines. And, um, I went through a health crisis. I went through a pretty severe health crisis and I was doing everything that I could possibly do to try to heal from that. I was talking to doctors, I was taking supplements and medications and exercising and eating right. And part of that was meditation. And I've been a meditator my whole life. And, um, this is going to sound strange, um, but, uh, one day I was meditating and I heard this really kind of forceful male voice that sounded like it was outside of my head that said, you need to learn shamanism. And I thought that was strange because I didn't know anything about shamanism. And also I thought, gosh, I live in Maine. How is that going to happen? Like, I don't live in Peru. I don't live in Mongolia. Um, you know, I live in the middle of nowhere in Maine. Uh, turns out there is a vibrant shamanic community here in Maine, very active, very vibrant. Some of the best teachers in the world are here. Um, I'm not sure why they gravitated here, but I found my teacher and she um, accepted me as an apprentice, even though I had never done a single lick of training work or schooling in shamanism before. She, I don't know, she saw something in me and I started out just doing this for personal healing and I had no intention whatsoever of ever working with another human being, um, not in a healing capacity, not in a teaching capacity. And, uh, you know, things worked out the way they worked out. Um, and it turns out that this is what I really love to do and it feels like home to me. So, um, you're absolutely right. I get to, I get to follow my passion and I'm, I am very blessed in that regard. You know, a lot of people, well, I think all people at one point in their lives say, is this all there is? There has to be more. I've got to, you know, I could go to work and spend the rest of my days, but maybe they saw their father like I did, who did that. He spent 40 years working at a job, 60 hours a week. Then he got, then he got his gold watch that, that didn't work very well. And, and then he retired and then he died. And why I think people today want more than that. And so they want to follow their passion and they want to learn different things about, about life and about, um, spiritualism and, and uh, spirituality and, and, and all the things that go up to making humans. Is that been your experience? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the people who come to me, either in a student or client capacity, that is exactly true for them. And, you know, what I would say to people is, Following your passion doesn't necessarily mean um, putting your entire life at risk, right? It doesn't, you know, uh, you know, I'm okay tomorrow. You know, I didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to go practice shamanism. I'm going to quit my job and my family's going to be homeless. Like that's, that isn't how it happened. Um, I was able to find a way to follow my passion and transition into this life where I'm doing this as a profession um, and, and doing well with it. And, um, you know, without having to put my family at risk, I think there's this fear that people are like, oh, you know, I can't necessarily make a living at this, or I can't 
do that, you, you don't have to, like you can still follow a passion. My, my girlfriend is a, a, an amazing painter. She's a, she is so skilled and so talented at painting. Um, but she's got a day job, but she spends a lot of her time in her passion doing, you know, painting and thinking about painting and, and that sort of thing. And that is, that can be true for anybody. Like you can find your passion and follow it. It doesn't mean you have to do something scary necessarily and completely transition. It's fine if you do, but um, don't let that hold you back. Don't let that fear hold you back. Do what you love. Life's, as you know, life is way too short um, to, to not do the things that you love. Do you find that, uh, when, when you put the intention out there that this is what you want to do, and this is the, the passion that, and you want to help people, don't you find that the universe kind of conspires to come <laughs> up with a way of making it all work? Because the universe does not want you to live in lack and, and to, you know, to, to, uh, be barefoot and in, in, in the snow in Maine, which I imagine would be pretty. Horrific. Yeah. Thank goodness for that. Woo. <laughs> but, but you get the opportunity to the universe conspires to make it all work for you, but it doesn't necessarily happen in the time frame that you think it should. Would that be fair? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely fair. I think um, there's this concept in some esoteric circles of the true will, right? Our true will, which has to do with our path. When we're actually living out our true will, it's the thing that we're meant to do, the thing. And when you get on that path, you're absolutely right. The universe conspires to move obstacles out of the way and set things right. And we run into problems when we try to try to force that to happen on our time frame or in a method that we've pre-planned. Um, or if you kind of move in flow and move away from resistance, that will be much smoother. And just understand that, um, you know, the universe is, is going to move things out of your path, but you don't, there's no way for us to conceive of the complexity of how that clockwork is working underneath the scenes. There's no way for us to, to control that. And why would you want to, right? Like that would be a really challenging thing to try to control. I call it the uh, 50,000 foot view. We don't get that. We get the ground level view, so we get to see the tree in front of us and the tree behind us. But there is somebody working on our behalf on on the other side that is that has the fifty thousand foot view, and so they're saying, you know, this is this is the long game. This is your life. This isn't this isn't going to happen tomorrow. But if you continue to dil diligently trust that everything's going to be okay, and it's going to you're going to work towards your passion it always seems to work out somehow. Yeah, absolutely. We're like, um, to use another metaphor, I, we're like a, a pitcher on a mound in a baseball game, right? We can pitch the ball and we can kind of be aware of things in our environment, but we don't know everything that's going on in the entire stadium or even like necessarily if, if a runner is trying to steal a base behind us. Um, right. But somebody way up in the top of the stands can see everything that's going on but it's still up to us to pitch the ball, right? Like they, they might have the best view and say, Hey, um, you know, that runner is about to steal the base. You better, you better throw to the second baseman. Um, but only we can throw that ball to the second baseman, right? We have to take the active role in our life to do that. But 
yeah, there is, there is wisdom, there's guidance, there's people, I, you know, people, maybe non-human people, um, placing, you know, placing things for us to encounter. And, um, you know, when you, when we look back frequently, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I look back and go, oh yeah, you know, that was a really difficult time in my life, but if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be where I am today, you know, kind of thing. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's challenging in the moment. It's challenging because you don't have that greater view. You have that, you know, you're. It's like trying to look at a, a mural with your nose up against the wall. Uh, you got to take a step back sometimes to to take in everything. I believe that everybody at one time or another in their life has what I call a bad country music song. Which... <laughs> right. <laughs> My wife left me, my dog died, my dad, you know, and it's like one of those, one of those things, but it's all designed for us to learn and to experience and, and to, and to grow based upon what we decided we wanted to do before we even came here, I think. Yes. And in shamanism, we call that initiation. And many people in, in, you know, either spiritual pursuits or otherwise, we think of initiation kind of like a ceremony, like I've been through initiation ceremony uh, if you joined a fraternity or something like that, you get initiated in. Um, in shamanism, you might go through ceremonies, but it's spirit that initiates you. And initiation is like putting your life in a snow globe and shaking it up really hard. Um, stuff's going to land where it's supposed to land, but for a while, it's really crazy. And it is. It's like your life becomes your life becomes a really bad country song um, <laughs> where, where stuff kind of falls apart. Once you've been through a few, then you're like, when stuff happens, you're like, oh, this is another initiation. Okay, well, when, you know, when is this going to stop being so horrible sometime and and it doesn't affect you quite as much. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, I like your I like your baseball metaphor better than my 50,000 foot view. Metaphor. <laughs> so I'm going to well, use that metaphor if I can steal it from you. Feel free. You can see. Yeah. Steal, steal any of my metaphors. I don't know that I own any of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in your work, if somebody comes to you, what can they expect? Well, if somebody comes to me for, um, you know, I, I offer several things. So if somebody comes to me for healing work. Um, it's usually, uh, there's something, there's something that's not working out for them. Either they have, you know, the number one complaint I'm getting right now is I just really feel disconnected and yeah, we've been through a pandemic. Everybody's been isolated. Everybody's been, um, you know, there's been so much divisiveness in the world. There's this, it's not a diagnosable disease, but there's this thing where people feel incredibly disconnected. A lot of people come to me with trauma. I have a background in trauma. So um, that's, a, a you know, people have repercussions from, from trauma and none of us get through life unscathed. We all have some, you know, little T trauma, big T trauma. Um, so people will book a session with me and I work in, my tunnel is strange, but I work in trance. So I enter an altered state. I do some work while I'm in there and I come back and we, and we talk and it's sort of like this. And right now I'm, I'm only working with clients over zoom. So it's, it's matter of fact, it's just like this where we have a conversation. I do some work in trance. I come back, we talk, I do some more work in trance and um, people feel better. And that's, that's a great thing with shamanic healing. Integration can take some time 
And so um, I don't allow people to book sessions with me overly frequently. So if somebody wants another session with me, I make them wait um, about six weeks because it can take a while for them to really realize the full, you know, the full benefit of what's going on. But as an example, I had a, a you know, I had a client last, last night um, and uh, in another part of the country, I love it. I have, I now, because of this, uh, you know, one of the things that came out of the pandemic and people getting used to using Zoom is I have clients all over the world now. I see people in Australia and Europe and all over the US and Canada. Um, but this is somebody in the other part of the, the country and, you know, somebody who had some trauma that was holding her back from experiencing what she wanted in her life. And I worked with her, you know, worked with her one time last night and she emailed me today and she's like, I am just feeling like I can do anything today. I'm feeling like I can accomplish everything I want in my life. And I couldn't have, um, I couldn't feel better, uh, more, you know, I couldn't more better. I couldn't feel better about that. Like I, I feel so great when people contact me and give me, um, you know, feedback like that. I'm open to any feedback, but when people are like, wow, we had one session and now I feel like I can conquer the world. Um, I love that. I couldn't love that more. Now, when you say that you go into trance, mm -hmm. who are you talking to when you go, go into trance? <laughs> well, one thing I can tell you about the spiritual world is it is crowded. Um, uh, if you know anybody who's clairvoyant, ask them how many people are in the room with them at any given time. Um, so shamans all over the world and throughout history and prehistory um, always work with what we call helping spirits. And um, some people use the term, um, for example, spirit animal or totem animal. Um, I use the term power animal. And so that is an, you know, I have power animals, which are animal spirits that I work with and communicate with to do work on behalf of clients. Um, I have other uh, helping spirits that are human, like ancestral spirits, people who are my ancestors that passed away that have uh, volunteered to help me out from the other side. So uh, depending on the work that I'm doing, I will talk to different people. I have a little team, a little um sometimes not so little team. I have a, a group of, of helping spirits that I work with, uh, depending upon the specific work that I'm doing on behalf of a client. That's, that's, that's pretty amazing. Now, do, 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 do they come to you with like names or are they, do you know who they are? Um, sometimes they come with names. Um, so um, animals don't have names, but they will sometimes give me a name to make it easier because um, they take pity on me for being a lowly human and um, give me something for my brain to grasp a hold of so that I can call them by something. Um, but they don't, I mean, they don't have, you know, animals don't have names in, you know, when they're alive other than the ones humans give them. And um, other helping spirits that I have, you know, my ancestors have names and um, I work with other spirits that might be um, considered, uh, this is almost a loaded word, but might be considered deities, for example, like kind of higher level, either like angelic or sort of higher level spiritual beings, beings that weren't, weren't human at any, at any time, weren't alive as human beings on the planet at any time, but 
show up to me as human like and uh they definitely have they definitely have names that they give me to to call them whether or not that's what they're you know how names actually apply to them is probably beyond what i can understand but um again they take pity on me being a lowly human and say you can call me you can call me this and so i haven't you know i have a way to refer to them and and understand them now when you talk about being a lowly human but mm-hmm. our soul is um our soul is much bigger than than that isn't it yeah absolutely so my my take and this is from um this is from experience um from like actually diving into this stuff it's not um just like an assumption that i have or some book that i read like this is actual exploration work that i've done um we're, you know, humans are like these uh, onions, we're multi-layered onions. And, you know, we have, we have a physical body and we have a mental body and we have this etheric body that some people can see and we call that an aura and we have this astral body. But at our core, like we are a spark of divinity that is as uh, divine as anything else, as we're all come, we all come from the same source as does everything that exists comes from comes from one source. Some people might call that God or the universe or divinity or deity or or have different names for it. But um, in my experience, it's like this infinitely bright white beam of light that hits a prism and spreads out into all of these different beams of light, right? Different colored beams of light. So we see this infinite diversity in the universe but it all comes from the same source. We're all part, we're all part of that. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm using the term uh, tongue in cheek saying I'm a lowly human, meaning, you know, right now I'm experiencing human consciousness. I'm experiencing being in this human body. I know that I'm much bigger than that, but in this human body, in this incarnation, having this human consciousness, I've got a lot to learn. And that's what, you know, that's one of the main things I'm here to do is to learn as much as I can about the nature of who I am and the nature of who, who we all are and, and, and that sort of, and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, we are, we are large and amazing and miraculous beings for sure. I always wanted to ask somebody and since you have a direct connection, I think I'll ask you. Okay. And that and that is this because I believe that we are here many times and mm-hmm. that and that we've been here before, we'll be here again. And every time we get to we go back to the other side, we take what we've learned, the experiences that we've had and we and we work together and we learn from them. And then we come back and some place between when we're coming back on the way back, we forget everything that we've learned that we had on the other side. Why is that? <laughs> why why questions are really difficult to answer, but my take is I'll give you my take. Um, because I, I don't want to claim that I know the mind of the universe. Right. Um, however, my take is uh, imagine if you came back and you knew everything already. Like what would there be for you to do? Like what would you like if you carried if you didn't have a forgetting, um you know, and, and to an extent, you you still can learn to access all of that information that you think you forgot. Um, without the forgetting, like imagine if I arrived on Earth with 10,000 lifetimes worth of knowledge in my head, 
what would there be for me to do here? Like there'd be no reason necessarily for me to incarnate. So by starting with a blank slate, I can go through all of these experiences. I can have experience of trauma and healing from trauma, which has been a beautiful thing in my life. And I can have um, experience of, um, you know, my children being born for the first time, which if I had 10,000 lifetimes, that wouldn't have, maybe that wouldn't have been as spectacular or seeing a sunset for the first time or having all of these experiences be new and having sort of a different flavor on learning. And there's this idea that comes from Zen, right? Which I love. And there's a great book um, called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. Um, and in Zen, they try to have what they call a beginner's mind. Because when you have a beginner's mind, there is all possibility is open to you. But if you come, like if you ever talk to an expert on something, like their ability to shift and view things from different perspectives is a little bit locked down, right? Because of their extreme experience in one area. So my take is one of the reasons why we choose to forget when we when we do what's called crossing the void. We cross the void in both directions, there and back. And um, when we cross over, we choose to, to come through uh, forgetting most of everything. Um, is that so we can have these experiences again. And so we can have them in a fresh way and take a fresh viewpoint on these things. And then when we pass away and we go back, we can combine that with the knowledge from our other lifetimes. Uh, but we can, you know, to an extent, we can access some of that information now, even in this, in this incarnation. I would think it's very frustrating if you if you have a lifetime and then you go back and say and for, for whatever it is and uh maybe maybe you had a problem with jealousy and so you, you so you go back you say well next time i'm going to fix this problem with jealousy and i'm going to do it right you come back and you forget and you have the same problem with jealousy again <laughs> until, until you get it right <laughs> it's right until, until you get it right which could take a while it could be many, it could be several lifetimes before you actually figure out and, and to do it differently. Right, right. It's in, and um, I'm sure most people are familiar with this movie at this point, but it's Groundhog Day, right? It's Groundhog Day over and over again. And Groundhog Day, uh, when Groundhog Day came out, I was in, um, I was living in Boston and I was studying actually with a, um, uh, a Tibetan Buddhist teacher at that time and studying Tantric Buddhism. And he was like, everybody go see Groundhog Day. Everybody go see Groundhog Day. He goes, this is the most perfect demonstration of samsara, which is that wheel of life coming back and being reborn. He goes, that I could ever think of. And um, I was just blown away by that movie Groundhog Day. And in the context of being reborn and living the same life over and over again, I think it really hits on that. It's like we, you know, yeah, um, you know, I've got to experience jealousy and anger and hatred and whatever all over, all over again until I get it right. Um, but at least I get to look at it with a fresh, maybe a fresh pair of eyes and bring, you know, we still have, we still have connections to our past lives that, that filter through to us. We might not always be aware of it. And we still have connections to our ancestors that we might not be aware of um, because we have these filters in place. But you can learn to connect with that and you can learn to bring a lot of that um, a lot of that forward. And that might cut down on the learning curve quite a bit, I would say. 
You know, the, the speaking of Groundhog Day, the uh, gentleman who wrote that, or it was either the, the writer or the director, he was asked, okay, so how many times did he have to repeat himself before he, and he said, well, it's somewhere it's over 10,000. Um, in order, in order to get it right, to be able to play the way he could and, and to do, and to do those things. And that's kind of how we are, isn't it? We, we've got, we, we, we've got a long time to, to, to learn. And, and, <clears throat> oh, I wanted to ask you, is this, is this a particularly, um, uh, hard school according to the, the folks that you've talked to on the other side, are they sympathetic to the amount of pain there is, how dense our bodies are, how, how long it takes for us to uh, manifest anything? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they are sympathetic because um, it's pretty awesome on the other side, to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing over there. And, um, and, and but and spoiler alert, there's no hell. Um, I'm sorry if that's you know if that's a thing that um, people believe in and keeping keeping other people in line. But um, that has not been my experience at all. And I have worked with um, the souls of um, murderers before. You know, like really not so nice people. Um, th and the lesson is that there there is no soul. There's no soul that once it exits the body that's irredeemable, um, you know, uh, might have to come back and do a whole lot more work, but um, there's there's nobody that's irredeemable. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's a couple of ways of looking at it. One is incarnating into physicality is on the one hand a gift because not every spirit gets to do this. There are lots, you know, probably an infinite number of individualized spirits in all of the universes and not all of them get to experience physical reality and not all of them get to experience a human body and in some in some cultures um that is a curse and in some cultures that's a blessing so it's a matter of perspective um but yeah i mean the the spirits on the other side do want to help us which is why we have helping spirits why we have power animals why we have um and my teacher's teacher explains power animals as like you were born into this human body and these animals took pity on you for having to go through this again. So, yeah, there is a certain amount of sympathy, empathy. Um, yeah, it's 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 hard. But there's also some there's also a, a, a tremendous amount of of beauty to being mortal. Right. Like it makes us like imagine it you know, there's that whole immortality trap. If we were physically immortal, like how much appreciation for things would we lose and how much, how many experiences that we have as mortal humans would we miss out on because of that? Oh, I, I, I agree completely. And you know, um, it's, it's when we, when we talk about the other side and how beautiful it is and have you experienced you know, when you go into the trance, are you able to experience what happens on the other side? Yeah, it's a, it's a, um, it's a really, really important part of um, most shamanic training. If you do long-term uh, training, like an apprenticeship and, and initiatory training, um, we do work that's called psychopomp work, which is um, helping helping souls cross over. Um, in order to do that work, you have to have an experience of crossing over yourself. Um, and the difficult part of that work is making yourself come back. 
um, because it is um, it is pretty amazing. And in fact, when I did it, um, my teacher stood over me uh, drumming and made sure that I came back um, and made me sign a contract before I did it that I promised I would come back. And I had to list out all the reasons why I would come back. Like, well, my kids are here, you know, and uh, I really like uh, vanilla ice cream shakes and I would miss out me. I don't know if I'd miss out on those on the other side. Um, but uh, yeah, it's you you have to go through that in order to do that type of work. And um, it's I, I can't even de really describe how profound that type of training is. It, it's um, uh, it changes you in, in a really fundamental way. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. Um, <clears throat> I have a question for you. Then this is goes back to this goes back twenty years. But uh, um, one time we, I was part of a drumming circle, and part of a group, and they and they asked and and they invited a entity or our soul to come be part of us and to kind of show itself in a little bit more and all i could do during the entire session was laugh in a laugh that i don't have but but in my normal walking around world but it was so it, he wasn't saying anything but it was just he was laughing is have you ever heard of that has that happened so i'm not sure exactly what the kind of practice that uh the practice that you were doing was, but, um, I have experienced, uh, spirit that is so full of joy that it's just laughing and dancing. And, um, you know, um, yeah, there is that, there is that, um, there are spirits, there are parts of us probably as well that are just so full of joy. They just come through as, as pure laughter in a way that, um, in a way that we don't normally experience because we have bodies and pain, aches and pains and, um, uh, you know, things that we worry about. You know, we've got bills to pay and things to worry about. So we don't always experience that pure joy. Like when you see when you see a toddler laughing, right? A toddler hasn't had, you know, the the benefit or the curse of of. 50 years of life to <laughs> look back on and aches and pains in their body and that sort of thing. And they just belly laugh so hard that they're almost crying. Um, that's a beautiful thing. But yeah, I mean, there are spirits that live in such, such joy that, um, that I have experienced them as, as beings who just um, are almost belly laughing all the time. Oh, that's, that's, that's fabulous. By the way, we're talking with uh, John Moore. He is a shamanic healer, and he's in Maine, but he works all over the world now because of the magic of Zoom. And if somebody wants to get a hold of you, John, how do they do that? How do they work with you? So the easiest way is through my website, which is um, mainshaman.com. It's Maine, the state, M-A-I-N-E-S-H-A-M-A-N.com. And I'm I'm ubiquitous. I have a podcast and a YouTube channel and I have an app now. That's because I'm I come from a very nerdy background. So I'm I'm all over technology, but you can find all of that on my on my website and get in touch with me and and I'm on social media and stuff. So what's the name of the podcast? It's called Speaking Spirit. And it's a little it's a little irregular. 
Um, you know, I at, at first was doing them about once a week and that became um, quite a lot with my schedule. So now it's about every other week I, I, I put out an, I put out an episode. So uh, since you're a, you know, a podcaster, you know, like, uh, how am I doing? Fantastic. <laughs> well, good. That's good to know. This is great. This is great. Now, this is the this is exactly the kind of podcast that I love to talk on, where it's just this conversation, and it's interesting, and it's and it's uh, you know, um, you know, not not formal, and you know, we're just having a we're we're just having a chat, and I love that you're on the other side of the country, and I feel like we're bringing, you know, we're bringing people, we're bringing the we're bringing the country together. That's, that's a, that's a whole idea. And, you know, I was talking with somebody, you, and you said, you mentioned that in your experience, there is no hell. And I was talking to a, my brother, as a matter of fact, who's a, a fundamental, who was a fundamentalist Christian. And he said, of course there's a hell. And I said, well, okay, then you need to explain something to me. And he said, sure, shoot. I said, uh, is God all powerful? Well, of course God's all powerful. Is God everywhere? Well, of course, God's everywhere. So there's nowhere that God isn't. Well, no, of course not. Of course, God's everywhere. Then where's hell? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that, and this, he had no answer for that. So because, because it is, you know, we are, we are spiritual beings having a physical experience, and we all get to go back to the same place, which is why I believe that we are all one. And that's why we yep. need to, we need to get rid of the wars. We need to get rid of hate, division, and fear, and and live our lives the way that. How many people? Got to ask you. Now I'm, I'm, I I I could talk to you all day. I mean <laughs> I, I'm going to have to run here in a minute, but wanted to ask you how many people come to you and say, John, I just don't know. I don't feel complete. Is this all there is? Yeah, I mean that's almost everybody that comes to me, and um uh you know, the way, the way I like to look at what I'm doing is almost like I'm, I'm, I'm lighting a fire under people. Like I'm, I'm, you know, lighting a, I'm, I'm setting a beacon of light and pushing these people off into the world to be a source of light for other people. Right. Um, because when people are living their full life and I had a client not that long ago, um, who I saw, you know, a number of times, who is a fantastic artist and was afraid of putting his art out there because he had gotten um, haters. Like, you know, as, as we all gather, anybody who does anything public, you're going to get people who um, are jealous or have, you know, shadow material or whatever come up. Um, and after working with him, I said, your work as an artist is infinitely more important than anything any hater has to say to you. And how dare they try to keep you from putting your work out into the world and allowing people the gift of experiencing what you have to give. Um, and, you know, there was this, uh, you know, this amazing transformation through spirit with this person. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go do a show. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to, Hang, put my stuff in a gallery. I'm going to uh, put it online. I'm going to do all of this um, stuff. And I love that. And I absolutely love that. But yeah, I mean, people feel broken. They feel incomplete. And what I try to do is really, really help them recognize that they're always connected to source. 
they're always connected. If you want to call it God or source or deity, divinity, the universe, whatever name you want to place on it, first of all, whatever name you want to place on it isn't enough. Like, like <laughs> it's just, it's a label, it's a label. And the, there's no way to describe this, this source, this um, thing that we are all a part of. Um, but nobody's really broken, right? Nobody is really broken. Nobody's really unwhole. Nobody is really imperfect. At our core, we are all um, imperturbable. We're all in, we're all perfect. We are our core self, our spirit that's undying, unborn, and and lives forever and has always lived. Can't be wounded. It can't be. It can't be broken. Uh, it's impossible. So um, if that if there's one lesson people can take away from talking to me, that that's what I would hope they would take away from that. I just have to say that I've been doing this a while. I started in 2003 with a show called Positive Talk Radio in Seattle. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, everyone that I've talked to, be it a, a shaman or a medium or a psychic or a different folks that, that practice the arts and are and in tune with their spiritual side, you guys all have the same message. It always is the same. It's not... I believe in this, and I. The only people that are do that are people that practice a religion. Most of the people that practice spirituality, they all right. come to the same conclusion, and I think that's why I believe so strongly. Well, I, mine is more of a knowing now. I just know that that's the, that, the, that what you're describing is just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not. I mean. It's not like you have to climb mountains. You don't have to climb the Himalayas to discover this. This is stuff we intimately know. It's all it's within all of us. And, you know, to your to your point, like we're we're all on different paths, but we're all headed to the same destination. And so there's a reason why, you know, shamans and I never say I never ever will say that um, there is one path for everybody I don't you know if people want to learn shamanism they can come to me but shamanism is not a path for everybody but there is a path for everybody um, and when they when you find what it is and whether that is through uh, you know playing basketball in a spiritual way or being a medium or uh, whatever it is or painting or cooking, you can go incredibly deep and get real spiritual truths out of that. And, um, but you're absolutely right. We're all, we all discover the same truths because they are truths. They're all there for us and they're not, they're not that well hidden. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it's in, I, I tend to believe that as we go down the road and in the last 20 years, that it's changing, that the veil is thinning a bit and they're allowing more information to come through because they're sensing that that's necessary at this point. Do you agree with that? It's necessary. And there are more and more people ready to uh, receive the knowledge. Like we've been doing the work for, for, you know, um, incarnation after incarnation after incarnation. And there is this impulse, there's this archetypal impulse to awaken that seems to be spreading like wildfire these days you know before you know you might have had one or two people in the world who are really kind of you know very few people in the world and you know i'm talking thousands of years ago hundreds of years ago very few people in the world who are headed towards enlightenment and that's kind of a loaded term enlightenment um but i just mean like 
by enlightenment, I just mean the understanding of the way things actually are on the spiritual reality. Um, nowadays, there is so much impulse to awaken. So we're we're definitely on the precipice of, a, of an awakening on a really large scale. I see it everywhere. And, um, uh, you know, on a personal level, I couldn't be busier. And so, um, you know, it, it's a wonderful thing for me to see that so many people are coming from and just feeling like I just feel like this is my calling now. I just feel like I need to to wake up. So uh, definitely you can see that as a thinning of the veil. But also I see it as as people are now um, more prepared for this and and are able to respond. And a lot of the crises we see in the world, a lot of this warfare and disease and all of this stuff is horrible. But it is a catalyst for people to awaken, it is a catalyst for people to say there's a better way for us to, to live our lives and to live our lives in a way that we don't have to have warfare and hunger and poverty and sickness and, and that sort of thing. You know, when, <clears throat> one of the things that I think is happening is that because of technology, and it's being, I think, driven by technology, but we now can sit in our living rooms and watch in real time what's going on in another part of the world that we find despicable and horrible. And, and in, in years past, it would be like, well, 50 people were killed here and you didn't see it. Now, right. now you've got, you've got a front row seat to it and mm -hmm. it's abhorrent. And more people are saying this, this cannot stand. We have to change. Right. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, on, on one hand, um, I don't know if you've ever read, um, there's an author named Steven Plinker who wrote a book called Better Angels of Our Nature. And he actually did research to show that we are living in the least violent era in human history. Yep. We have less warfare, less poverty, but it seems worse because we have 24 hour, 365 day a year access to media to information, to live. Like I can watch, um, I can watch the war in Ukraine live on TV. That was never the case before, you know, information didn't, you know, wasn't uh, as instantaneously available. So we, we might think things are horrible and we're waking up to some of the horrible things that are going on, but there is a real hopefulness there, at least for me, that there is a human transformation that's happening, um, that we are, that we are evolving as as a species to start to think about these things don't make any sense <laughs> you know it doesn't warfare doesn't make any sense hating people because of who their parents were or you know what color their skin is or where their ancestors came from makes no sense whatsoever um and you know it's nice and i see you know i have children who are teenagers they're in high school and, uh, you know, ever since Socrates, people have been complaining about the younger generation. But I don't do that because I look at them and I see how awakened they are to the way thing, things are yep. and how accepting they are of other people. And um, I see beautiful things happening in our in our in our future. I, I, I have a thing that on one of these days I'm going to get in trouble for. But that's why that's why that's why we get old and die is because that we need to change our ideas and change our thoughts about everything. And the only way to do that is the younger generation coming up, they view it completely differently than they did 40 years ago, which oh, is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which you know, when great. I think about what, how we were looking at things when, when I grew up and, um, 
you know, I just, you know, just so different, just so different with this, with this generation that's coming up. So um, it does give me, it does give me great hope for the future. And, you know, having, having visited the other side, I'm not really afraid of dying. <laughs> I don't want to die right away. I got stuff to do, but, um, right. um, you know, it's no big deal. It's just another transition. And, I, I feel the same way. I, and I'm, I'm, but I'm way older than you. So I, <laughs> John Moore has been our guest. John, I've got another show. I've got to go do a live show on KKNW in about four minutes. So I'm, <laughs> I need to wrap this up, but will you come back and can we talk again? Absolutely. Anytime. Awesome. You are, you are an incredible man and, and stay right where you are real quick. I got to do this and I'll be right back. Then I got to go. Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of KMmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named KMmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other because each other's